If you've got your Bibles, go ahead and turn to 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, and uh, we will get there here in just a second. Uh, but I wanted to start this sermon off. This is our last sermon in our Awakening series. Uh, but I wanted to start this off by first saying thank you. Uh, you guys spoiled my wife and I so much uh, with your generous donations and pastor appreciation. So from the bottom of our hearts, Thank you so much for the way that you love our family. Uh, We are privileged and honored to be a part of this church. And so thank you, thank you, thank you. Um, Second off, uh, have you ever woke up in the morning and thought it was going to be cold and put on a sweater? All of you got to church way later than I did, <laughs> so, uh, but that's, that's what happened this morning. Uh, but pray this afternoon, uh, if you notice, there's a, a section of our church uh, that's mi- that missing this morning. Uh, I do a funeral this afternoon for a, a lady named Katie Bazemore, uh, 39 years old, that passed away on Tuesday of this past week. And so I uh, just pray that I would be an encouragement to that family. Uh, listen, her little boy um, comes here faithfully and is involved in our children's ministry and continually gets to see the love of Christ. And so I would just ask you as a church uh, to pray for that family, pray for me as I get to deliver an encouragement to them. And then also, trunk or treat is this evening. Listen, I know some of you think that you're too old for trunk or treat, but come anyway. Okay, this is a whole church event where we show the love of Christ to our community and to our city. And so please come and help out with that, okay? Uh, So have you ever just been woken up from a deep sleep? Anybody anybody been woken up this morning? Um, How many of you in your life get to sleep until you decide to wake up? Man, I... I don't, even, I don't even know what that feels like, uh, but maybe one day after these kids are grown and all this kind of stuff, my wife and I will just sleep in on a Saturday and not really know what, what happens. Uh, but it's interesting that when you wake up, how many of you woke up just so rested this morning? I mean, just rested, ready to go. Okay, nobody. Good. Okay, a few. Gotcha. There were two hands, two hands up. Imagine, how many of you didn't get enough sleep last night? Isn't that crazy? Uh, How many of you are the people that push the snooze button a hundred times? I don't like you. I'm just, I I roomed with you guys in college, never again. Uh, I had a college roommate that would press the snooze button. He would start this as an hour-long process before he had to get out of bed. And so finally, I just unplugged the alarm. Best night of sleep I've ever gotten in my whole entire life. He didn't go to class. He got a good night's rest. All those things were there. Uh, But it's interesting. How many of you wake up so sweet and peaceful? How many of you wake up and it's like the ugliest thing that has ever happened in the world? Okay. Um, How many of you have been almost dozing asleep and somebody wakes you up? Okay. Look. For us to wake up, this is tough for us. Uh, So let me show you a video just to illustrate some funny wake-ups. Sailor, we're in Montana! Sailor, we are in Montana! Get up. Time for presents. You're the one who 
I'll be honest, that's my dream to do to my wife. One day, she will punch me. She's an angry wake-up person. Um, <laughs> the reality is, over the last five weeks, six weeks, we have worked hard to wake up. And listen, for some of you, this has been your response. We've dealt with sin. You've been frustrated. You've been angry. But listen, we are people that are awake now. And the reality is that as we live awake lives, the goal is for us to truly be awakened in our spiritual life. And so uh, this morning, we're going to talk about the understanding of now that we are awake now that we are awake, what do we do? Listen, over the past six weeks, I have preached some of the toughest sermons for you to listen to. I know that they have permeated your hearts and made you deal with things in your life that you probably didn't even want to deal with. But listen, we have dealt with them, and now it's time for us to stay awake and to move on to what God has called us to. And so let me read this verse in Ephesians chapter 5 and verse 14. It should be something that's kind of memorized in our hearts this morning, but it says, Awake, O sleeper, and arise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. Now listen, we want Christ to shine upon us, but we need to be awake in our spiritual lives. And so now that we're awake, there's a couple of things that we have to understand. We don't need to go back to sleep on the sin in our life. Can I get an amen on that? Now that we've dealt with it, now that we're moving forward, we don't need to go back to the sleepy-headedness of our sin, just dealing with it in our lives. The reality is this, when you are asleep, you are the most vulnerable that you will ever be. Listen, as I was studying this past week, the reality hit me. I hate to go to bed. I hate to sleep. I feel like I'm going to miss something. This has been something my whole entire life. I don't like to sleep. Anybody with me? Listen, it is, it's one of those things that is like, I know that I have to. I know that I need it to. But I think this is why I feel vulnerable when I'm asleep. Anybody with me? Man, but here's the reality. When you're asleep, can you defend yourself? No. Listen, this is one of the things that takes place, that crime happens when you're asleep. Things happen when you're asleep. There's an unawareness to everything around you. Listen, there's an insensibility. And to explain that, you can be the smartest, most well-trained individual in this world. But when you are asleep is when something can happen to you. Now, how many of you are afraid to sleep during my sermon now? Good. That was put in there for that purpose. But understand, this is one of the things that we are, when we're asleep, we have to be awake in our spiritual lives. We cannot go back to sleep. We cannot go back to that. You can be full of knowledge, but, as, but we are pretty much senseless when we sleep. Reality is that when we sleep, we are inactive, 
I think this is another thing for me that I hate going to sleep because I can't do anything. There's nothing going on. I love to be active. I love to be doing something. But this represents for us a peace and a recovery. But the reality is that we need to be awake. We need to be awake in our spiritual lives. And so in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 1 through 5, this passage of scripture speaks for the purpose of the second coming of Christ. Now, when we look at the second coming of Christ, this is a readiness. This is an awake portion of us living for when Christ would return. And so this morning, as we look at this passage of scripture, it gives credence and understanding to when Christ will return. Now, I know that it's interesting that most of the time, this isn't talked about near as much as it was in my childhood. We would be told early on in life to be prepared to live like Jesus is going to come back. But I think in the world today, we've been kind of lulled to sleep to say, maybe he's not. Maybe he's not going to come back. Maybe earth is all that it could exist. And maybe we just continue to live. And maybe really none of this stuff ever happens. Can I tell you an emphatic statement? Christ will return. You say, Jeff, how can you say that with certainty? Because scripture tells us he will return. Listen, we have proof that he came one time to save the world. The second time is going to be no different. That when he comes back, we go with him. Listen, this is an encouraging thing for us as a believer. But if you're asleep, if you're asleep in your spiritual life, if you're asleep in the things that are taking place, if you're asleep with sin in your life, listen, you won't see this. So he tells us in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, he says, now concerning the times and the seasons, he said, brothers, you have no need to have anything written to you. He says, you don't need to be surprised. You know that this is going to take place. For you yourselves are fully aware, fully awake that the day of the Lord will come like a thief in the night. Listen, this is the return of Christ. When he comes, he will come like a thief in the night. He will take his children. He will take his people. And he says, while people are saying there is peace and security, then sudden destruction will come upon them as labor pains come upon a pregnant woman. And they will not escape. Now, one of the things that I'm very fortunate for is that I have never had labor pains. Can I get an amen, guys? But I do remember when the pain started with both of my children because my wife wanted me to experience that with her. (laughs) Not actual pain, but to be a support to her. But imagine, and I could see my wife going through these labor pains. And listen, they came quick, they were furious, and I was scared. Amen, guys? Tells us, The people that are left will not escape those pains. He reminds them, but you are not in darkness. Brothers, for that day to surprise you like a thief, he said you need to be awake and alert and know that the Lord is coming back. 
And he reminds us, for you are children of light, children of the day. We are not of the night or of the darkness. He's reminding us to understand that we are the children of God, that if you have placed your faith and trust in Christ, you are a follower of Christ, you have a rightful heir to the throne, that they would be with Christ. I love what he says in this next passage, to stay awake in verse six. So then let us, what does he say? Not sleep. Now, I love that he tells us that, but then he reminds us of the world that exists around us as others do. But let us keep awake and be sober. Why does he tell us this? That we need to live ready for Christ to return. And he tells us, he said, for those who sleep, sleep at night. And those who get drunk and drunk at night. He said, but since we belong to the day, let us be sober, having put on the breastplate of faith and love and of the helmet of the hope of salvation. He gives us this reminder, this understanding that we should be alert. He says, don't go partying every night. Don't get drunk. Don't do those things because you want to be sober, awake, and vigilant when Christ would return. It was interesting as I was studying this, I love the fact that he said, don't sleep like the others are. Can we be real for just a second? Many in our world are asleep to the knowledge of who God is and that he is going to return. Can you imagine this world when Christ returns? Wondering, where are the people that were here? Where is the, why didn't they tell me? Why didn't they share this news with me? He says, don't sleep like the others. Don't continually be in a position where you're tempted and drawn away. He says, when you are awake, make sure you are living for Christ. Can I tell you the, 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 the understanding here? He says, be awake and alert and ready for my return. He says, don't be drunk and asleep, not ready for my return. Now, as I was studying this, and forgive my sense of humor, but I can't imagine being drunk when Christ returns. Can, can I just be real with you? Going, hey God, I want to be worshiping the Lord. Amen. I want to be serving others. I want to be fulfilling everything that God desires of me and not miss his coming. The truth about this understanding is this. A lot of sin happens at night. It's interesting. Have you heard this term? Nothing good happens after nine. Have you ever said this term to your kids? How many of you go to bed at nine just because of that? Man. I remember hearing these things as a kid going, I wonder what happens. I want to be out there. I want to see what goes on. Listen, my bedtime was early partly because my parents didn't want to deal with me and my brother. But the reality is, sometimes there's an intrigue of what's out there. 
But here's the truth. Most sin takes place after dark. If you were to interview any police officer, and I get to ride along with these guys now, and you ask them about the day shift or the night shift, they would tell you it's a completely different experience. When they're on nights, they're vigilant. They're on guard, knowing what could take place. The stops during the day are completely different. So he tells us to be awake, to be alert. And then he gives us a quote from the book of Ephesians. When he's talking about the whole armor of God, he said, the best way for you to be awake, for you to be sober, for you to be ready is this, to be living out your faith. Faith, is our, faith in our spiritual life is a key component the way that we continue to grow. And listen, I love some of the conversations that I get to have with my girls right now because it's growing their faith, helping them understand. Listen, the reality is that when you talk to some of the older people that have lived for Christ their whole entire life, you know what you hear? God has been faithful to me. Amen. Listen, my 91-year-old grandmother is kind of close to that stage. She asked this question, why won't the Lord just take me home? She longs to be with him. I remember years ago, my grandmother had a stroke in one of her eyes. I went to her house and I went to try to encourage her. She looked at me and I said, Grandma, or Nanny is what we call her. And I'm so sorry that you can't see out of one of your eyes. <laughs> she said, Jeff, she said, God's allowed me to see for 70-something years. And I'm sitting there going, man, her faith was so strong that she knew. And listen, it takes us growing in our faith. We think everything in our world is instantaneous. I'm ready to have faith. Give it all to me. One step at a time is how we grow in our faith. With that faith comes faithfulness, faithful in our responsibilities, not sluggish in our zeal. The more that we understand our faith, the more that we know about Christ, the more that we can trust him, the more that we know about his scripture, the better witness we are, the better opportunities we get to share his love. And then he tells us in this passage of scripture that we should have faith, we should have love. Remember, love is a choice. You choose to love he says, choose constantly to love the people that are around you. Love them enough to tell them that Christ will return. And then hope. Hope of our salvation. Listen. We need to live ready for Christ to return. We hope in our salvation. We hope for Christ's return. This means for us to be awake and alert and ready for this. And I love that after this, he tells us that I'm coming again. You need to be ready. You need to be awake. But then he tells you what his desire is. I love this conversation because this is the conversation from a father to his kids. This is a loving, caring conversation. He's preparing you. He's making sure that you're ready. And then he's telling you his desired outcome. 
says in verse 9, For God has not destined us for wrath. His destined for us is to abstain, obtain salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ, who died for us. Listen to what he says. So that whether we are awake or asleep, we might live with him. Then he gives us a responsibility with this. Therefore, encourage one another and build one another up just as you are doing. Love what he's giving us here. He says, my desire is that all of you would come to know salvation. That all of you would know this and understand that my desire is that all of you would be saved. But he says, let me encourage you. Let me give you a true, proper definition of what encouragement is. We think encouragement is this. Oh, you're going to do so great. Everything's great. Everything's perfect. Everything's going to go perfect. You should do great. Can I tell you what encouragement looks like? Hey, I'm with you. When you fail, I'm going to go through it with you. I'm going to encourage you. Listen, there's sin in your life. Let's deal with it. Let's take care of it. Let's move past it. That's encouragement. We live in a world that wants to shelter our kids from every danger, every possible hurt that they could go through. Can I encourage you parents? Be real with your kids. Let them know when they fail, you're going to be with them. They don't have to be perfect in everything that they do. Help them through it. Point out those areas. And listen, for some reason, we've got these blinders on that our kids can do no wrong. And listen, I see your kids in children's ministry. They do wrong. Stop acting like it doesn't exist. Correct your children. Lovingly encourage them. And listen, if any kids are in here and going, man, what is he saying? Let me be clear to you as kids. If you're disciplined by your parents, they love you. If they have hard conversations with you, they care about you. Then he tells us this. Build each other up. I don't know about you, but as Christians, we can get beat down sometimes. Have you ever turned on the news and wondered where God was? Man, have you ever sat at a game or sat at an instance or sat at a workplace and wondered, where is God? We as the church, the reason that we sing those worship songs that we did, and listen, the worship team that we have is incredible. Not just because of how beautiful the sound is that they make, but because of their heart in worship. Listen, I don't know if you saw, but every member on this stage sings, whether they've got a microphone or not. I get the up front and close version of Mark on the drums, 
And he's worshiping the Lord with every beat that he plays. Listen, when Chad's up here singing and he is belting out his voice, just he's not belting it out so that you would say, man, his voice is beautiful, but it is. He's belting it out because he's using his gift for the Lord. I don't know about you, but I am encouraged when we worship together. Every one of these worship team members is doing this not for the praise or for the glory, but to bring glory and honor to the Lord. We have to build each other up. Look, it should be a completely okay statement for you to walk up to somebody else in this church and go, hey, I know you're struggling with sin. I know you're fighting the flesh. What can I help you with? What can I encourage you with? So let me close with this. We've looked at King Hezekiah over the past six weeks, and I hope that you've done your own case studies and you've began to understand him. But here's the reality. King Hezekiah woke up a nation. He woke up a nation that was completely asleep from his father's rule. He spent 29 years in a leadership role waking up a country. He opened up the temple. He helped the people turn back to God. He trained the priests. He got his leadership on board. And he brought back genuine godly worship. And I think the reason that this case study has intrigued me so much is because my desire is that this would take place here in Pooler. That my desire is that this would take place within the church, within our community. And listen, if nobody preaches it, if nobody looks at these passages of Scripture and shares them with you, we get lulled asleep. His reign was characterized this way. He was king for 29 years. The interesting thing that in that 29 years, the same battle that he fought over and over was this. He constantly fought the people to trust the Lord. I look around and I go, hello, we're living in Second Chronicles. Do you know how hard my job is to convince people to trust the Lord? He was a faithful king, and I love this summation of his ministry in 2 Kings chapter 18. For he held fast to the Lord. Catch that. This was his mark on 29 years. He did not depart from following him. He never got lulled to sleep but kept the commandments that the Lord commanded Moses. And understand this, because of how he lived, says in verse seven, and the Lord was with him wherever he went. He prospered, he rebelled against the king of Assyria and would not submit and would not serve him because he did not serve God. The reality is, I do funerals all the time. 
I can't tell you how few times I can say this statement about an individual that I'm doing their funeral. Listen, when you pass, this should be your testimony. They were faithful to the Lord. They lived for Christ their whole entire life. They never wavered. They never fell apart. They always trusted the Lord. And you know what's crazy? God was with them in everything that they did. Our standard has become so low that we don't really care what's said just as long as we barely squeak into heaven. Can I tell you? Hezekiah wasn't worried about his fate with God. He wasn't concerned up to the last minute, wondering which way the the scales were going to be tipped. He lived a faithful life that nobody could doubt his relationship with God. Now, a fun fact, before I give you an inaccurate picture of history, there was one flaw with King Hezekiah at the very end of his ministry. His pride began to step in and he began to take credit for what God did. And I tell you that because the more that God does in your life, the easier it's going to be for you to begin to take credit for it. I'll tell you, don't. But here's his example. He stayed awake. He never gave in to ungodly leadership. And he lived for Christ. Now let me close with this thought. Now that you have been awakened spiritually, will you stay awake and truly live for Christ? Look, I don't know about you, but once I'm awake, I'm awake. If my eyes open at 5 o'clock in the morning, I'm awake You spiritually, now that you are awake, need to stay awake in your spiritual life. There's a term that's used in some theological realms. I want to share it with you this morning. The term is this, perseverance of the saints. And it's something that's not really taught in in our churches as much anymore. But the goal in our spiritual life is this. Those that are truly saved will persevere until Christ comes back or they pass away. I want you to understand, our goal, our desire as believers should be this. That we persevere, that we fight, that we continually bring glory and honor to the Lord. But I want to close with this quote. R.C. Sproul puts it in a really plain, understandable way. True Christians can have radical and serious falls, but never total and final falls from grace. Listen, God's grace will always be more sufficient than your sin. He tells us his his understanding is that you're not going to live a perfect life, but that you should continue to live for Christ. You're going to sin, but 1 John 1, 9 says, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us. Listen, he continually gives us this repentant heart, this repentant attitude that we should live for Christ.
So I ask you this as we close. Now that you're awake spiritually, will you continue to stay awake? If everybody would bow their heads and close their eyes just for a second. My hope and my prayer in this sermon series is that God has awoken your heart. Listen, for some of you, you have dealt with some sin, some things that you've been holding on to in your life for a really long time, and you've put it to death, and you're fighting continually against it. And I challenge you, don't stop. Don't get lulled back to sleep. The world around us needs Christians who will truly live for Christ that will truly make an impact on the world that's around us and that will genuinely get off their rear ends and begin to live for him. I would tell you, persevere, grow in your faith. Listen, encourage others, help them know what the love of Christ is. But listen, stop sleeping in your spiritual walk. Wake up. Stay awake and live for Christ. Dear Father, I come to you humbled and thankful for the way that you love us. Lord, thankful for the awakening that's taking place in the hearts and lives of people here at Pooler Bible. Father, may you be glorified in everything that's done within our church, within our congregation. Lord, help those that are truly awake to grow in their faith, to grow in their understanding and not be lulled back to sleep. Father, may we persevere and continually live for you. We love you and we praise you this morning. In Christ's precious and holy name we pray, amen. If everybody would stand, our worship team is gonna sing a song, a song of celebration. And listen, maybe the Lord has awoken something in your heart and in your life Maybe it's something that really begins, or that, that needs to change in your heart and in your life. Maybe the Lord's been dealing with you over the past six weeks. Listen, this altar is a place that's open to you. The reason that we do this song at the end of a sermon is so that you can have a time to respond to what the Lord is doing in your heart. So at this time, as the worship team sings, whether it's in your seat or at this altar, spend time in prayer seeking to glorify God in everything that you do.